Sends Hour, hosted by Shane and Derek, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sends Hour Podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. It's Shane. We got Derek as always, and it's been an interesting last 24 hours for your Ottawa Senators. So we're going to jump right into it. Where do we even begin? Last night, 1130, around 11:30 Eastern Time, Ottawa makes a trade with Arizona, grabbing Derek Stefan for a second round pick, Columbus's second round pick in 2021. So we'll jump in with that before we move on with today's news. So tell me how you feel about it, because this has been probably one of the most highly debated trades over the offseason. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, you know, it comes on the heels of Pierre Dorian basically suggesting that the rock roster was set and, you know, uh, what you see is what you get. But uh, obviously Dorian um, likes to fool people because uh, he's done that a few times now. And uh, Derek Stepan will come in. Um, you know, he's not the player that he was with the Rangers. Um, nobody expects that. He's kind of on the back side of his career now. Um uh, he comes in for a second round pick. Uh, my initial reaction, I thought the price was too steep. And I'm kind of wondering now where people slot in. Um, there's just an awful lot of players there. Uh, and, you know, you want to graduate either one of, theoretically, you want to graduate one of Logan Brown or Josh Norris this season. Um, so it's a little bit messy, but of course, we're going to have a taxi squad. Um, so. It, I think there's going to be a, a, just a lot of players in and out this season, uh, kind of a rotation system, if you will. Uh, and I think young players will be graduated kind of moderately um, based on what we're seeing right now. But uh, the trade overall, I didn't like it. I'll be honest. I didn't like the trade. I didn't think we should have had to give up a, a second round pick. What do you think? I had no issue with the trade. I think if you look at our centers, we didn't have a bonafide number one. Even though Derek Stefan took a step back, he could still slot in in that role. So I have no issue with it. Second round pick, it's Columbus's. It's probably going to be middle to a late second round pick. I have no issue with it considering how much, like how many prospects we have. You know, I, I have no issue with it really. Like it is a little bit steep, but you know, it, it is what it is. We don't, we can't overstock the cupboard with prospects. So something had to give. I have no issue giving away Columbus's second uh, second round pick, but this brings into to the trade that happened at the time of this, probably like less than half hour ago, and that's Braden Coburn and Cedric Paquette and the second round pick in 2022 heading to Ottawa for Marion Gabrick and Andres Nielsen. Both players are expected to hit the LTIR. Even more confusing because there's two players who should be able to produce or play in Ottawa right now. We get our second round pick back in 2022. You know, where did this all come from? Where, how did this all happen? Yeah, so this one is uh, another complete shocker. Um, th this one kind of has me feeling in a couple of different ways. Like I'm a little bit upset that Pierre Dorian is helping out the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have dug themselves just one hell of a hole right now uh, financially. Um, but at the same time, this is a, a smart kind of use of assets. Um, two players that are not expected to be on the Ottawa Senators uh, in Gabrick and Nielsen. So 
Uh, both of them shipped out for players that Ottawa can use and a second round pick. So um, if you're upset about the step on second round pick uh, that it took to acquire him, uh, you can be less upset because he just went out and got the second round pick right back. Um, and a couple of really minor pieces, I would say, you know, uh, players that could play uh, potentially if there's injuries, players that uh, you know, you might look at Paquette and, and see him get some time. Uh, he'll definitely get some time in Ottawa. Uh, it'll just be, like I said, I think it'll be more of a rotation system. Uh, with the amount of players that Ottawa has, they could make two teams this year. Yeah, that's for sure. And, I mean, it it's beg begs me the question, where does Anisimov fit? You know, we've seen, he hasn't been talked a lot about in the media. doesn't seem like the team is very confident that he'll be around. This coming season, I don't even know if he's in Ottawa. I haven't seen anything through him or, or anyone in the Sens uh, media circle talking about him being in Ottawa, um, like quarantining, whatever, what, what you have. So it, it begs me the question, is the Nisimov going on LTIR or are they waiting, moving on a trade from him? Whether it's a Nisimov, like something else seems like it has to give here. There's just, you know, looking at, like I said, looking at the roster, you can almost make two teams right now. So um, there's just a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of bodies there um, and not a lot of spots. I mean, there's no spots really. Um, so you're looking at the roster and I would suggest that we're not done seeing Pierre Dorian make moves and we're not done seeing, uh, potentially some upcoming news. Maybe it's Anisimov that's been suggested out there. Um, something else seems like it has to give. Uh, otherwise, perhaps they're just, like I said, building that uh, taxi squad and they're going to use a full kind of five-man rotation and, and rotate guys in and out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting time. Camp is five days away, starting on December 31st. Most players, from my knowledge, who are supposed to be at camp have started quarantine. I would, ex I don't expect any of these three players acquired to be ready for start of camp. But you know, I think it's it's interesting. And now, you know, talking about the big next big of news, and I think this is really where we're going to get a deep dive because there isn't much to talk about with the other two. Timmy Stutzel, within a five minute span, it goes from Bruce Garriock saying he's been released. Uh, they're working on a contract. I think yesterday Dorian said he was waiting until after the World Juniors to basically, hey, here's your contract. Let's get this over with and let's sign you to a three-year entry-level contract that is worth almost 10, just over $10.5 million with his, a, with his AAV cap hit and his signing bonus. Ridiculous amount of money for a friggin' 18-year-old kid. Or yeah, yeah, they're gonna pay Timmy superstar like he's a superstar already. I mean, uh, maybe Dorian just got excited watching uh, Tim Stutzla just toss Bowen Byram uh, into his own bench like a sack of potatoes last night. Um, I know that was exciting to watch in a in an otherwise you know awful sixteen to two game where every shot that Canada took went in. Um, it was uh, it was a ridiculous game last night and. Uh, Timmy was frustrated, uh, to say the least. Um, but from what he showed us in this really small two-day, uh, two-game sample size, uh, it's more than enough to suggest he's an NHL player this year, wouldn't you say, Shane? 
hundred percent. I love what I've seen from him. It's unfortunate that he wasn't credited with an assist on uh, Paterka's goal. I think Sen's Twitter would have lost their mind if he scored on that uh, two-on-one with Paterka. I still don't know why Ottawa and basically every other team skipped over him. I wonder if there were some character issues or something that kind of worried some play- some teams. But Timmy Superstar is going to be exactly that. I've been I've said some hot takes on Twitter, like how Sanderson is going to be more important to the Sens Stanley Cup win than Stutzel. I stand by that because I think if you look at recent Cup teams, you know it's Peter, it's pe- not necessarily Con Smith winners, but like Peter Angelo was important to St. Louis. Uh, John Carlson was important to uh, Washington and Hedman was super important to, ha- uh, to Tampa. So I think you can make an argument that like they may not win the Smythe, but they'll definitely be an important piece to it. And I just, I love the kid. I hope he comes into camp probably around the 7th of January and just kind of knocks it out of the park. And he just shows everyone why he was the third over Earl pick. Yeah, and I'm not going to fault you for showing some love for my guy, Jake Sanderson. Um, you know how much I like him. So uh, no fault from me there. I, I you know, I kind of stand by what you said, too. Although, um, you know, I do see Tim Stutzla being kind of at the forefront of this, this entire team. I really think um, there's probably a grouping of players now that we could say are going to be the core members of the Senators moving forward into the future. And I think Sanderson very much uh, in the mix, Tim Stutzla, uh, Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat. And I would say, you know, that's probably your core along with uh, Matt Murray. You could probably include the number one goaltender in there, at least for the short time. Um, But Timmy superstar um, couldn't be happier to see him finally get his contract with Ottawa. Uh, He said he signed it on, on an iPad so far. (laughs) I've seen they had him on in between periods there. So uh, it's always fun to listen to the kid talk. He just seems like he has so much positive energy and and a ton of character. Like that kid, uh, he's been living on his own since 16 years old. I can't imagine living on my own at 16. Like that, the house would have burned down in like probably two days. Um, so it just speaks to his maturity. Yeah, like he, he's been everywhere really. Like he had to make a choice of staying in Germany or going over to the States to play hockey. And, you know, he's playing for a German club that was shorthanded. Like, yeah, it was 16 to two, but realistically it probably should have been like two, one or three or three, two heading into the second period. The fourth goal, Krebs first goal should not have counted. We all can agree on that. But if Timmy is a little bit more patient, uh, he buries that over around Levi and we're looking at a 1-1 one, one game at the time. And we're probably looking at a 3-2 game heading into the second period. I think that fourth goal kind of demoralized Germany because it all went downhill from there. But I'm excited to see what this team can do with, you know, they're getting skaters back against Slovakia. It's going to be a tough matchup, but I think it's going to be a more even matchup than what they've played against Finland and Canada the last two games. Yeah, it's still going to be tough for them, especially uh, if they can't get goaltending. I mean, that's their biggest issue is they their goaltenders uh, would probably be better at dodgeball because they just haven't been able to stop anything. But uh, but their number one goalie, I understand, is uh, part of the um, roster that is sitting out right now. So 
uh, getting him back may make a huge difference for Germany because they were literally, there was one point where Canada had, I think, six shots in a row went in. Yeah, I think in the second period or third period, it was like five for five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the guy who started was Germany's third goaltender because their starting goaltender didn't even make the trip. He was part of the group that uh, stayed in Germany because they failed the COVID test. And their, their backup at the time got like tested positive for COVID in the bubble. So he wasn't part of the first two games. So I'm pretty sure their starting goaltender, like their backup, will be back against Slovakia. So they were working on their third and fourth string goaltenders during this tournament. You can't win a tournament like that. It has to be insanely uh, deflating as a player. I mean, you know, you're going to the bench after putting in a strong shift and, you know, the opposing team just comes down and floats one in and it goes in or, or the goalie like gives it away himself, like basically making a play out of nothing. And that happened a few times where they just mishandle it and they just didn't look like they should be playing at this uh, level of competition um, for team Germany. Uh, and it's too bad because uh, I'll say that Paterka has been outstanding in this tournament. And obviously Tim Stutzla has been uh, outrageously good, but uh, they, they have a couple of players too, that I thought played with a lot of heart. I thought uh, Dubé um, played really good for them as well. He was another kind of gritty, smaller player that I thought did really well. But uh, overall, I mean, when you don't have goaltending, you really have nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think one guy who who kind of surprises a lot of people is uh, Elias, the guy, the second goal scorer, who kind of slipped behind uh, Drysdale and Bowen Byram's CC and Harper impression on the penalty kill there, and just got one past Garand. And it's just like I think Germany would have been in a better situation if this was a normal year. To be fair, in a normal year, they probably wouldn't have had Timmy Stutzel or Stutzler. So, I mean. It is what it is. The Germans made their, like, you know, they admitted that, hey, you know, we probably could have done things better. They were offered to take a day off between the, the Finland and Canada game. They said no. They rather had the day off between the Canada-Slovak game, which, I mean, hey, it is what it is. So hopefully they can come out, win their next two games, and get into the quarterfinal matchup where they can probably have a win. As Senators fans, we probably want them out of the tournament as quickly as possible. So Timmy's in Ottawa as soon as possible. And I mean, hey, if Slovak, Slovak literally had, in two games have given up four goals, and one of them was an empty netter. So, or has given up three goals, and one of them being an empty netter. So, you know, who knows? I think if they lose to Germany, or if they lose to Slovakia on Monday, they're playing Switzerland, and Switzerland's not going to be an easy, easy win. If they go zero and four, if I if I looked at this correctly, their their tournament That's could be it. done December thirtieth. Yeah. And if that happens, you know, Timmy's probably in Ottawa on the 31st. He has to do probably a seven-day quarantine. I'm hearing that there might be a four-day. That I've heard that being talked about. I don't know how official that is. But if it's a seven-day quarantine, he's in on his first day of camp is January 7th. I'm okay with that. I, I almost feel bad wishing bad karma on Team Germany. Like, I, I hope they lose every game, and I hope Timmy Stutzla scores, you know, three goals every game <laughs> at the yeah. same time. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I want to see him get to Sens camp because uh, I think that's where it's more important for him. I, I don't know what he's getting out of this tournament. To be honest, I was a little confused that they sent him after, you know, after the situation Germany was in. Um, I, I, I get they think it's, you know, it's probably good for his development. It's something he wanted to do representing his country. But at the same time, after the, 
you know, the situation Germany was dealt uh, to me, if that was my prospect, I would have sent him uh, right back home. If, if that's even an option, like, I don't even know once you sign him up for the tournament, you may not be able to pull him. But uh, anyway, um, switching gears a little bit, but staying on Stutzla, I wanted to see where you had him slotting into the Sens lineup because uh, that's, I guess, where we can start looking to now that we know he's an Ottawa senator. Yeah, with him being signed, you know, I said that I wouldn't really worry about him in the lineup until he signed, and he signed. So it's time to look at where he would slot in. I still think he's going to slot in behind Kachaka as our second-line left winger. He's probably going to get some time with Batherson. And up front, who knows? Maybe it's Tierney, maybe it's White, maybe it's Norris. I think there will be no set lines and the only thing you can really guarantee in our forward group is Dadunov and Kachuk will be our top line, most likely. I think that, that's basically pe- like penned in. You're going to have Connor Brown and Austin Watson as probably your third and fourth line right wingers. And, that's, and then Nick Paul is probably your fourth line right winger or left winger. I really think that's all you could really pen in as in our forward group. You know, you, where, does, where do they fit Galchenyuk? Where do they put in Paquette or Stefan now? You know, where do these guys fit in? That's going to be up to up for camp to decide. And I think, realistically, Brown and Norris come into camp with a with something to prove and prove it. Who cares about Paquette? Who cares about these acquisitions? You have to show DJ Smith that you belong in Ottawa. It doesn't matter who's in front of you. You have to do it. And I think it's the same thing with Stutzel. He has to come in and show that he belongs here. And And if he doesn't, he's not going to play. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I was going to ask you if you felt like he's a pencil-in guy or is he a guy that's still got to come in and prove it like all these other guys? And I'm right with you. I think I think there's an obvious advantage to being the third overall pick and having some hockey games under his belt coming into camp. Um, I think Stutzla is borderline a, a penciled-in guy on the, on the roster. Um, but if he doesn't come into camp and have a good camp um, – yeah, for sure. They have. They certainly have enough players to make someone else work. So he'll still have to work for his spot like everybody else. Um, what do you make of Stepan coming in as a center uh, and Logan Brown and Josh Norris now kind of on the outside looking in? I think it's fine. I think it's literally just Ottawa not wanting to put their young guys in a losing situation. I think that, that's all, all that really is. If you're going into a North like this isn't a regular year. It's 56 games against six Play like we're the only Canadian team that didn't make the playing round. Yes, you can make an argument that uh, Winnipeg and even you know Montreal kind of got the help, kind of got the boost with the expanded playoffs, but they still made it. You know, Winnipeg got bounced early, but Montreal won around and went, went into the actual playoffs. So, like, with us being probably the worst team by by metrics and whatnot, you don't want to put these guys into a losing situation, you don't want to destroy their confidence like that. So having these vets who understand, okay, you know, we can be competitive. We're probably not going to win a lot of games. That's okay. But I'd rather that than putting Norris or Brown into a situation where they're just going to get dummy and their confidence is going to get shot. Fair enough. I think, um, you know, I've been pretty clear where I stand on the whole step on thing. Uh, but one thing I will say is that something I always try to do too, when, uh, when Ottawa acquires a player, I like to look at the opposing team's Twitter and I like to scroll through a bit of the comments to see what those fans are saying about that player. And from everything I read 
Uh, Arizona Coyotes fans were extremely disappointed that Arizona got rid of Derek Stepan. So to me, that can only speak uh, to, you know, him being a well-liked player in Arizona and, and him being a player that uh, is definitely someone that interacts well with fans. So, um, so I'm not going to, you know, crap on Derek Stepan and, and that's not really my stance either. I was more disappointed that um, Josh Norris and Logan Brown might have to wait a little bit longer. Um, and how much longer can you wait on Logan Brown? We've talked about that before. Um, but at the same time, again, if Logan Brown comes in and he's the most competitive guy in camp, uh, maybe that just means that Anisimov is scratched or Cedric Paquette is scratched and, you know, Brown is in. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Brown is not going to get playing time or Norris is not going to get playing time for that matter. Uh, it could just mean that they'll have to beat other veteran players out of their position. 100%. I mean, I don't really feel bad for Brown because, like, I, I look at Brown the same way I look at Batherson. You're getting, you're both entering your third year in the league. This is your third pro season. A lot of players don't hit their stride until their third. Like, yeah, he was 11th overall, but we also have to remember Boucher didn't like him. There were multiple reports that Boucher hated hated Brown. Didn't like him. Didn't think he was good. Didn't do a lot to help him along. So he was kind of stuck on, like, it was basically Nick Paul stuck in a situation where, like, he knew he needed to improve, but no one was really telling him, okay, what do you need to improve? Where do we need to improve? And we saw it with Nick Paul where, you know, DJ sounded down. was like, hey, this is what I want to see improved. He went down to Belleville, did it, came up, and now he's a full-time NHLer. So for me with Brown, like, cool, let him go down to Belleville for a year. I, you know, I'd rather him take a little bit more time than Zibanejad when we traded him when he was 22 because he couldn't figure it out quite there. Like he just – he didn't have the mental toughness or mental strength, whatever it was, to figure it out. And now he's probably a top 10 center in the league. Yeah, I think with uh, with Mika, they're, they were kind of worried about his offseason stuff. You know, he was into DJing and whatnot, and maybe the habits weren't necessarily there. I think it, it could be similar with Logan Brown. Um, it, you know, a lot of people see it as a make it or break it season for Brown. I'm not sure if that's really the case. Um, he is just as young as Drake Batherson. Um, so theoretically, I mean, both of them, you'd like to see both of them at some point in the season, um, be on the Ottawa senators. Uh, and for Josh Norris, he still has a couple of years really before he kind of has to make it. So, uh, that's why I'm less concerned about Norris. Uh, I don't dislike Norris either. I, I I think a lot of people may think that because I have them uh, placed a little bit lower uh, on the uh, prospect pool list, but uh, that's not the case. I I like Josh Norris. I just wonder what he's going to be at the NHL level. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And I mean, it's okay to. I think my issue with like like I, we've seen it all over Twitter: Norris versus Pinto, Brown versus Norris. They all bring a little bit different things to the game, and that's fine. And we need to accept that. You know, we're not going to – I don't expect Norris to pot 60 goal, like sixty points a season. No one expected Norris to come to Belleville and lead the league as a rookie and like a, be the, the rookie leading goal scorer or point getter that he was. No one expected that. You know, it's the same thing with Formanton. No one expected Pinto to turn into the, the freshman that he was. So is that, you know, luck of a draw possibly? Is that good development or is it understanding that, hey – these kids have the talent. They just need a little bit more time. 
who knows? For me, it's just a matter of we have to be patient. We can't put these guys in losing situations. We did that with Lazar, and it, it destroyed him. We put him in situations where we knew he couldn't win, and all it did was hurt his development and hurt his confidence. And I think, you know, Dorian and Co. have learned from that. They've learned from Zibanejad. They've learned from Lazar. They've learned from all their past mistakes, and they're not trying to do it again with Brown. And honestly, I have no issue with it. Yeah, I think it's more, again, like putting one guy against another. It, it's probably a product of Ottawa just having so many good prospects. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but at the end of the day, only some of these guys are going to make the team and some of them are going to have to go. And that's the reality of it. There's only, you know, a certain amount of spots open uh, up front and, and defensively. Um, while we're on prospects, uh, let's shift to one that was maybe almost an Ottawa senator. Uh, a player that might be, in some people's eyes, underperforming, I would say, uh, during the World Juniors. And I'm talking about uh, second overall pick, Quinton Byfield. Uh, Byfield has been taking a little bit of heat, specifically from, I think, Sen's Twitter, but uh, a lot from, I've seen a lot of LA fans uh, highly critical of the six foot four center thus far during the world juniors. What's your take on Quentin Byfield right now? Where's his game at and uh, where does he need to take it to, to, uh, to become an NHL player? Here's the thing with, with the draft It's a complete crapshoot. All right. We've said it before, you know, Batherson being a fourth round pick, you know, we've, we've had guys like stone being six round picks drafts, a complete crapshoot. But with, this is my thing with, if you go back to season one, listen to my episodes, all the draft episodes that I did with the network, I do not like Byfield, and it's not because I don't like his play. I just feel like he lacks intensity. I watched him six times in Ottawa uh, in the nineteen or the twenty or the eighteen nineteen season, his rookie year. He played Ottawa four times. He or six times. He had two points. He got outmuscled by Kevin Ball consistently against Ottawa. He was a non-factor every game they played, and we're seeing it again in the World Juniors. As a set, like, and this isn't even me being a sense fan comparing Stutzel to Byfield. If I'm a, a Kings fan, I'm up, I'm worried, I'm actually legitimately worried. I don't care how, like, he, yeah, okay, he's the youngest player on Team Canada. Drysdale is the same birth year, it's not like Drysdale is a 2001, he's a 2002 birth year, you know, Perfetti, 2002 birth year. Who cares that he was born a couple of months later? They're all born in the same year, and if that, if that difference of like a couple of months is that big of a deal. How big is it going to be when he gets to the pro level? So if I'm a Kings fan, I'm a little bit worried because this is the second tournament in a row where he's had a chance to perform and he just hasn't. So do I think he needs some more seasoning? Yes. But would I, would I write this in stone and take this, this tournament as like a, a defining moment? Probably not. But I am a little bit concerned. Yeah, and that's I guess that's the big question. Is it time to get concerned? Is it too early? Um, to me, I think it's a little too early. I think, um, you know, anticipating the draft uh, before it happened, I was watching a ton of Quentin Byfield. Yes, when the lights are bright, that's when um, he lacks the confidence the most at this stage in his career. Um, I think it's important to note the age that he was almost uh, next year's draft pick just because of where his birthday is. Um, aside from that, the, the raw talent is there. The raw skill is there. You know, his speed is exceptional for a player, his size, his skating, his athletic ability is just almost untouchable. It's that good. But, uh, to me, the decision-making, 
right now, at least offensively. I wish I could clip things for you guys. I don't know how to do it. I'll figure it out. But um, if I could clip a couple things, there was a few plays where I was watching him play and just the offensive decision-making for, for right now. I think it's a confidence thing. I think you touched on it when we were talking earlier. Uh, before the show, Shane and I were talking about this, and, and it could just be a confidence thing. But Byfield, he's got a way to go, a, a, a bit of a long way to go before he's an NHL player. Um, but I think we knew that before the draft. Like I said this before the draft, Timmy Stutzla is a more NHL-ready player than Quinton Byfield. My stance on that hasn't changed. Um, I'm I'm happy that Ottawa got Tim Stutzla at, at third overall. But at the same time, I would have been happy with Byfield and I would still be happy with it today. Yeah, I mean, personally, it's just like I I have seen Byfield and I like Byfield. He brings, and this is the thing, he does bring a lot to the table as a prospect and as a, um, you know, as, as a player with a, a high potential. And, you know, people say you draft for potential. That's true. You do draft for potential. But there's a certain level that you should also look at when you're drafting. I think LA has no issue waiting. I think the fans might have a little bit different um, stance on it. But I think when it comes to the organization, they have no issue waiting for it. For me personally, I like Stetzel. I think his versatility alone is worth more than than Byfield. He's probably more physical than six foot four Quint. Actually, he's uh, scratch that. He's definitely more physical than six foot four Quentin Byfield. Like yes, Tim Stutzla knows how to hit, and he's a lot more tenacious. Um, he hunts puck carriers down. Like we've seen that all game, basically against Canada. He wasn't afraid to run against anyone, and and he's six feet tall. Um, so if Byfield could play with that kind of intensity, I mean, that would definitely be a game changer. I think in the pre-tournament game, I liked what I seen from Byfield more than I've seen in the tournament. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for me, he's just he's one of those like prospects that is just so hit or miss, and I don't understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, another. How about a, a former Senators player? Um, that we're just finding out heading to St. Louis, Mike Hoffman on a, on a pro tryout. Is this shocking for you that the 59 point getter from last season can't get a contract? He's got a, he's got to play on a pro contract, a pro tryout. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm totally, I, he's shit defensively. <laughs> like I, like I, I've said this before. I don't care how many goals you can pot. How many goals can you stop from going into your own net? Because if you can pot 30, that's great. But if you're allowing 40 goals, when you're on the ice and they're, they're scoring 40 goals a season while you're on the ice, well, you're a minus 10 differential and you're not helping the team at that point. Uh, especially if that might – like, I I didn't take a look at it, but I want to know how, how many of his points were on the power play versus even strength. Because – He scored an awful lot of power play goals. I think he set – I thought he set a record last season, so – a lot of his points were via power play last season. Yeah, without not, a doubt. Like, and that's my thing. It's like, cool. You're, you're great on the power play, but you're basically a one trick pony. I mean, he's playing for St. Louis. So we should still get a relatively good amount of points in St. Louis, but being on a PTL, he's not guaranteed anything. Even though if they said, Hey, we'll give you 
um, we'll give you a contract on the 13th of January. If he goes into camp and has a horrible year, then I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know how you give him a contract. But he had 21 power play points last year. He had 11 power play goals out of his 59. So he had 18 even strength goals, basically. Which yeah, I think is still it was the year before, yeah, it was the year before that he put up a ton of power play goals. I believe he had 17 power play goals the yeah. previous season. So, yeah, um, I don't know. To me, it's it's somewhat shocking that a guy that can score 30 goals most seasons um, is not going to be signed to a contract. Um, there's a lot of guys that he's better than. Um, but then, you know, like you said, the, the questionable play five on five, he's not a guy that you could use everywhere on the ice. That's for certain. Um, he's more of a power play specialist. He's just got, I mean, if, if it weren't for his shot, Hoffman probably wouldn't be in the NHL, but he has probably a top five shot in the entire league. So um, the fact that he can't get a contract to me is, is pretty shocking. Um, But maybe it speaks to his character. Maybe it speaks to, you know, some other things that are going on maybe behind closed doors that we, uh, that we don't know about. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that because who knows really like who knows what what happens with him like i haven't been a huge hoffman fan when we traded hoffman i was totally fine with it but you know we're at the half hour mark and we still have the nhl schedule to look over you know that was released got some important dates to go over uh, so we'll, we'll take a quick break when we come back we got nhl schedule we got the over under and we still have a little bit more training camp talk to to go over so we'll be we'll be right back guys I'm Corey Francia. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, f- this game. This game, is, this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. And we are back. Thank you all for joining us today on this episode of the Sens Hour Podcast. It has been a crazy day for Sens fans. We got Derek Stefan at 11.30 last night. Got a trade around 8 o'clock today from Tampa. We got Timmy Stutzel signing. And, you know, earlier this weekend, we had a, a schedule, schedule announced, schedule released, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into it real quick. But first, I gotta ask you, who do you think gets in between Norris and Brown this training camp? Who do you think is gonna gonna squeeze into that spot? Um, I don't know if either of them get in now with the uh, with the depth that they have there. But like I said, I I think with a taxi squad system, there's gonna be like some kind of rotation. Um, I'll say that uh, I believe. Uh, Logan Brown gets more playing time than Josh Norris in Ottawa this year. Um, I would not be surprised if Logan Brown uh, makes the team out of camp and, uh, you know, someone else, maybe Anisimov, maybe Paquette uh, gets scratched for Ottawa uh, to start the season. Uh, My hope is that Logan Brown's been somewhere training this entire time and he comes into camp kind of knowing that he's got to bring it this year. And uh, he'll change a lot of people's opinions because uh, I'm a Logan Brown believer. Well, he was on video on Instagram 
playing shinny with, you know, Yaros, Willanin, Schlappick, and Co. And Valsers. So, you know, they're having some fun, keeping it light. Don't they don't seem to be overly worried about the, the transactions going on with the senators, but you know we're going to jump into it. Twenty the twenty twenty one schedule has been released. Ottawa is opening up the season against Toronto in Ottawa on January fifteenth. We are the first team. We were the first team to stop playing, and we will be the the twenty in the twenty nineteen twenty twelve season, and we are will be the last team to start playing in the twenty one season. Ridiculous. But we have four straight home games. We got a back-to-back against Toronto, day off, and then three straight games, two in Ottawa against Winnipeg. You know, kind of interesting. But how how excited are you to start the season against Toronto in Ottawa with everything going on? I can't even put into words how excited I am to see Senators hockey return. Uh, now that we know Timmy will be a part of the team too, it just makes it all the more exciting. Um, there's so many players that I'm looking forward to seeing. I mean, we haven't seen Thomas Shabbat in 300 days almost. We haven't seen Brady Kachuk. We haven't seen, you know, all of these players who will be a year older than they were when we last seen them play. Um, and for Senators, you know, for Sens fans, that's a year older makes a big difference because these guys are still really young. And, uh, you know, one year makes a huge difference for players when they're that young. So uh, my expectation is we're going to see a much better team, maybe not right off the hop. Um, but at some point in this season, we're going to see a much better team than we've seen last year. Um, and we're going to see an entertaining team. Uh, I'm excited to see Dadnov in a Sens sweater. Uh, so, so many changes. There's so many changes. Matt Murray, I'm excited to see what, uh, what he can do in a bounce back season for him. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be 10 months basically to the day that Ottawa had played their last game. We played our last game March 12th against LA in a 3-2 law, overtime loss that basically gave LA the second overall pick. I mean, we're all okay with that now. But with that being said, uh, hey, we got we got Suns hockey. I'm excited. Matt Murray's going to be great. I want to know if he plays both games. I, I have a feeling he won't. I think they'll give Murray and Hogberg a 1-2 chance. But for me, the person I'm excited to see is Kachuk. I like the one-year-older thing. He's going to be a menace. I want, I'm want. i interested to see how he can terrorize that Toronto defense. You add in a guy like Dadunov and Kachuk should just rise up. So he, he's the guy I'm most interested for. And this, this camp, man, it's going to be intense. It's like 10 days or so, just over 10 days, 14 days of just intensity. Like There's no, gonna, there's no days off. And with us having those extra days, we have a little bit of a longer camp, really. Like, we have two extra days, so we're probably looking at, like, a 16-, 17-day camp. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. And I think the couple of days buys Tim Stutzla some time to get from the World Juniors to camp. So um, that's the kind of positivity that I'm looking at it with uh, because it is a little bit disappointing that Ottawa, who's, like you said, has been off the longest out of anybody, is going to be the last team to uh, play some hockey this year. Um, so we'll have to wait two year, uh, two days in between games. Um, and the Leafs, I think, will start right on day one um, on the 13th. So they'll already have a game under their belt. Um, it would just be fantastic if Ottawa opens up with a victory against Toronto. Oh, man, it would be so nice if Mon- like if Toronto were to start 0-3, because I think their first game is against Montreal on the 13th. If Toronto were to go 0-3 with two lot like. 
they can stomach a loss to, to Montreal. Montreal is, is expected to be a playoff team. If they were to lose back-to-back games against Ottawa, Leafs Twitter would lose their absolute mind if that <laughs> was the case. And I'm all here for it. I'm all here to see fans overreact to losing to Ottawa. Yeah, if only we had like a Zamboni driver that could uh, play goal for us, that would make it even better. But um, So yeah, starting the season off, two games against the Leafs, then we go three back-to-back against Winnipeg. Um, there's going to be a lot of crazy traveling and stuff in this season, so uh, that'll be another kind of developing storyline as the season goes on. But uh, of course, we have access to more players with the taxi squad. Uh, and then don't be surprised to see, with all that travel, to see different players coming in and out of the lineup, uh, like we've been talking about all show. Yeah, and I mean, we have four straight games against Vancouver um, during the year, but we have our, we have a seven-game road trip at the end of January, early February, where we play Winnipeg once, Vancouver three times in a row, Edmonton twice, and then we end off with Montreal uh, on February 4th. That's going to be intense. We're going to see a lot of players in that those like seven games that we probably wouldn't have seen if this was a regular year on the road for seven games. Absolutely, Shane. It's going to be just a lot of chaos, really. It's going to be game after game, not a lot of days off in between these, uh, a lot of series, like we're, we're seeing a series of games, which I think to me makes the season a lot more exciting. Uh, because the rivalries are just going to be bloody. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun. If Ottawa's competitive at, at all in this division, uh, it'll make it so much more fun as the season kind of winds down. Um, and, and very interesting just to see, you know, the bad blood return between Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal and Ottawa. I would love to see some fire lit under those series. And then, of course, we've got the Kachuk brothers squaring off uh, many times this season. So, that's always entertaining. Uh, it, it's just going to be uh, extremely exciting to me, probably the most excited I've been for a season because it's been so long without one. Yeah. I mean, I think we played Vancouver like four times in a row at one point in the season. I think it's like two in Vancouver and then two in Ottawa, which is ridiculous when you think about it. But honestly, I just, I'm super excited. I think overall we're going to have a, a very good team. We're going to have a strong team, and we're going to have a competitive team. Like, that's just like I don't care. Like I know travel is going to be a huge thing, and I, but I'm super excited to see what this team brings to the ice in a division where no one's expecting us to do anything. Like once we get down to like the end of May, like April, May, we could be playing spoiler to a team like. Like, we have Vancouver four straight games uh, at the end of April. Like, April 22nd, 24th, 26th, and 28th. Let's say Vancouver's brying for, like, that fourth or third playoff spot. If we beat them two out of three, two out of four times or three out of four times, they could end up missing the playoffs. And honestly, I'm all about that lifestyle. I'm all about playing spoiler the entire year. Because you know if you lose to Ottawa, you could end up – like, that could hurt you – in the standings a lot more than it will a uh, would to a, a loss to Toronto or Montreal or whatever a loss to Ottawa is going to, can be detrimental, especially if you lose two or three in a row to them. And we've talked about it before, but who knows, maybe Ottawa's not even going to be spoilers. Like maybe Ottawa will be right in the mix for a spot. Just given the fact that it's a 
just a weird season. It's a 56 game season. Ottawa's added a lot in the off season. I, I think we still don't really know what, what that's going to look like. There's a lot of question marks as to, you know, how competitive the senators could be this season. Um, there's a lot of people saying uh, in camp, I've seen a lot of positivity surrounding Artem Zub, a, a player that we're relatively unfamiliar with. You know, there's just so many, there's so many wild cards for the Sens this season. They have so many breakout, potential breakout candidates. You know, could Brady Kachuk really take off this year and be, you know, a 60 plus point player rather than a 40? Um, could Drake Batherson break into the year, uh, break into the league? Logan Brown, could he break into the league? There's just so many wild cards for Ottawa that it's hard to count them out at this stage. Yeah, and it's just like you look at the schedule. We have four games against Montreal at the end of the month or at the near the end of the schedule, where it's basically just it's like one in Montreal, two in Ottawa, one in Montreal, and I believe that is at the end of March, early April. So. That could also be big. Like these, these series are going to be really interesting. Like, I, I hate, I hate the fact that outside of like maybe twice this year, we play Toronto. Like we we play Toronto to start the season twice. We play them three times in a row in February in Toronto. But everything else is literally just one game, one game, one game over the last three months of the season. I hate it. I hate the fact that we don't play Toronto multiple times in a row. Like, like throughout the year, I hate the the one 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 because I that series if they were to do four or five games in a row would be so awesome. Yeah, just seeing Brady Kachuk, you know, target some of their best players out there would be a lot of fun, especially if they're priming up for a playoff run and you see Brady Kachuk out there just you know taking a huge piece of uh, every bit of energy that they have left, um, and you know having them go into the playoffs kind of shorthanded that would be a lot of fun. Uh, regardless, it's going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to game one against the Leafs. Uh, I'm looking forward to the sto- uh, storylines in training camp. Uh, there's just, like I said, there's so many wild cards on this team that it's it's hard to start drawing up lineups, especially now with, you know, Coburn and Paquette and Stepan added. It's like almost impossible to draw up lineups at this stage. Yeah, and I mean, I'm all, I, I love camp, camp drama because you really never know what to expect. I don't think we've gone into a year that had so much uncertainty around what the roster is going to look like. Like no. <laughs> I, I don't think I can remember uh, a year where I was like, oh, you know, we really don't know what's going to happen and who is going to win these battles. Even last year, you kind of had an idea of where people were going to slot in and who they were going to be slotting in with. But this year, that's all out the window. You really have no idea. No, and I think you touched on it earlier, but outside of up front outside of Dadnov, Kachuk, and then probably Watson, Paul on uh, the fourth line. There's really just a ton of uncertainty. And then, of course, Shabbat on defense. And outside of that, it's pretty uncertain as well. So it's, there's just question marks. Like I said, there's question marks everywhere. It's it's the ultimate wild card, uh, the Senators, this year going into training camp. We really don't know what that final product's going to look like. Agreed, a hundred percent. And you know, with that being said, like the schedule thing, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it more as camp comes in because we it's so hard to talk about it uh, with the way 
things have gone because we really have no idea. Like you said, it's a dark horse. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the schedule once we kind of see what's happening in camp and all that. I still think Ottawa has a chance to finish fifth and push for a playoff spot with the acquisitions and way things are going. But I, so we, there, I want to ask you this question and I saw it over on Twitter. Uh, I think it's Naf, uh, Naftali. I believe oh, how yeah. you pronounce it. Naftali uh, Clinton. Yeah, yeah. 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 They asked the question of Timmy Stitzel is the, best prospect since whoever a lot i i looked through it and a lot of very interesting answers for me it's jason Svetzel. there's a lot yeah. of similarities between timmy stitzel and and jason Svetzel. you know Spetzel was that that pick was traded for yacht for yashin that pick was traded for carlson coming in to be a franchise player franchise changing player lead us to a cup there were so many things there's so many similarities so i have to ask you who do you think is the is Timmy Stutzel is like, who is the last hyped up player the way Timmy Stutzel is? Is it, do you think it's Spencer? I know there was a lot of people saying Alfredson and Stone, which to me, it just didn't really fit no. the question. No, Stutzel is a third overall pick. Um, to me, there's no argument there. Um, you know, I, I'd love to be able to argue with you, but um, for, for that particular question, there's no argument there. Uh, it's Jason Spencer, you know, the hype, the buildup surrounding a prospect, um, you know, is very similar to Jason Spezza. It's, uh, you know, a player that kind of we knew before he was drafted, he was going to be special. Um, it's the same way with Tim Stutzla. That's why, you know, people are already calling the kid Timmy Superstar. Um, it, it really does go back to Jason Spezza and nobody else. I, I really can't see another comparison. Alfie, Alfie was a late pick. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a good comparable at all for that one. He was, uh, what, what was he, a sixth-round pick? Yeah, like 133rd overall. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's not the same at all. Tim Stutzel is a third overall pick. He's a player that we know is going to be good, we expect to be good, and a player that, you know, is not going to come out of nowhere. Some of these other guys, you know, Alfredson, uh, Mark Stone's another guy. He was, he was a later pick. He kind of came out of nowhere. It took him... He took the long road, but it took him a long time to get there. That's not Tim Stutzla whatsoever. I mean, that's not a good comparable. For me, it's Jason Spezza. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I think Yashin. I know I saw the Yashin name come up a little yeah, bit. which fair. 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 Alexander Dagg is also another comparable uh, because of the hype no. he had when, when he did. Like, he, let's be honest. He had some ridiculous hype. Yeah, he was supposed he, to be the next best thing in the NHL. Yeah. yeah, and then to be fair though, I think Pronger was drafted after him. I've looked at that team. I don't think anyone drafted that year would have survived the shit show that was the Ottawa Senators that year. I don't think any player would have survived. I think any player would have flamed out the exact same way that that Dag did. But outside of that, like I think it's Spetsa, Yashin, and Dag are the only three prospects yeah. that have had this much hype surrounding them before they entered the league. Yeah, no question. I think those are those are the three players that I would say are the best uh, comparables. Uh, I'm not going to use Dag because no one wants to wish that bad karma on Tim Stutzla. Although I, I think Dag had a fairly decent first season and then after that kind of flaked out. Um, but no, uh, let's, let's go with Jason Spezza. How about that? Because <laughs> we hope that Tim Stutzla becomes Jason Spezza uh, even if he stays on the wing, like I, I honestly, I have no problem if Stitzla is just a high-end winger. 
and never ends up making the transition to center. I, I still don't think Ottawa did wrong picking him third overall. I, there's nobody I would rather pick in that spot. Um, and the same could be said, honestly, for Jake Sanderson. Like I see it the same way where Stutzla and Sanderson three and five are probably the two players that I would have picked three and five. So uh, I'm super content with those picks. Here's the thing. I think, you know, Sanderson's closest comparable is probably, and like hype wise was, would probably be like Phillips or, or Redden because they were both, you know, Redden was picked number two and then traded for number one because number one didn't want to play for Ottawa. You know, Phillips was drafted first overall. Like, you have to go a while, like a while back for a top pick to have this much, like even Zabanajad and Kachuk didn't have this much hype because there was such a, a disc, like a disconnect on fans who, who thought that pick was worth it. Yeah. There's no, there's none of that here. I mean, people have seen Stutzla's highlight videos. They've, you know, for the most part, they've watched him now for the, for the past couple of games. And that's all it took for people to be convinced. Like, you're seeing it everywhere. Tim Stutzla is jumping off the page. He's he's an easy kid to like. It's not a Brady Kachuk where it takes time to admire the things that he does well. It's not the same kind of situation. It's not a Mark Stone where, you know, his stride is extremely choppy and you're looking at it like this guy will never be an NHL player. And then, it, you know, it takes a long time to appreciate all the things that he does well that make him such a good NHL player. But uh, for Stutzla, everything just kind of jumps out. He's easy to like. Um, that's for certain. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think well, even if he stays on the wing, could we see more of a Ovechkin? Like, I know his favorite players Kane, but realistically, Kane's not that physical. From what we've seen from Germany, if him in Germany, this guy likes to throw his body. So yeah. could we see a guy more like Ovechkin style? like, Or even, honestly, not even Ovechkin, because I don't want to put that kind of goal scoring – um, kind of prospect on him, Rick Nash. Oh, there you go. That's a nice like, one. Like, could we be looking at Ottawa's version of Rick Nash, where he's big, he's strong, he can hit, can dominate the boards, but he can also just beat you with his hands? Man, it's crazy that we're talking about Stutzla this way right now because. You know, before everyone knew who Tim Stutzla was, the, the one criticism people said is that he's a small, weak kid, you know, that he's just <laughs> this little, you know, bubble wrapped um, weak kid. And, and it's just not the case. He's just a he's a physical, intense player who plays like a power forward, even though he's not incredibly big. He's not small either, though. Like he, he's a pretty bulky kid. Um, you know, Rick Nash, I don't know. I, I like the Ovechkin thing. Um, definitely less and less. He's looking like a Patrick Kane. He definitely looks, um, I don't know. He, he's, he's a hard kid to compare to someone. He's, he's got pieces of Ovechkin in, in the intensity department. Like I see what you're saying. He loves to hit like this kid is going out and he's running people over. But at the same time, he's got incredible hands. He's got a really good shot. I think he hit the crossbar from a bad angle last night. He's got a really underrated shot right now. He put a lot of strength behind it, and it's something he's working on. And then the whole, you know, the one-time situation where he received a pass kind of at his ankles in his skates. He goes down to one knee. It, it definitely gave me OV vibes for sure. So when you said that, maybe it's the number eight that's throwing me off, but I like that comparable. 
I'll shout out uh, Sean Simpson for this one. Um, but he did use Ilya Kovalchuk as a comparable. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? I can kind of see it. Give me Ilya Kovalchuk's, Ilya Kovalchuk's skill without the ego, and I'm all aboard about it. I'm all aboard on that. You know, I, it, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, he did come with a bit of an ego. I think Timmy has. I won't say an ego. He just has swag. He has a lot of confidence, which I see as a good thing. Like this is not a kid who really gets into his own head. This is a kid who believes in himself. I think if you watch the documentary on him, you could see just how much this kid thinks he's the real deal and not thinks this kid knows he's the real deal. Like he, he just makes decisions for himself. And, and like we talked about earlier, He's been making decisions for himself since he was 16 years old, living on his own. He went against his own parents, wanting him to go to university and played in a men's league for Mannheim. And all of the decisions paid off. So, I mean, this is a kid who believes in his abilities, who believes in himself. And, you know, we can't stop gloating about him because we know he's going to be the real deal. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about... So, so I made so changing off from Stutzel, looking at our fifth overall pick in, in Sanderson. I've made the comparable to Eric Lind like you. If you check Twitter, uh, so I got some really hot takes going on. I got some people were not happy, but some of the things I've said. But you know, Eric Eric Lindros or not Eric Lindros, uh, Nicholas Lindstrom. I don't know why, um, but <laughs> Nicholas Lindstrom is one of the guys that comes to mind when I watch Jake Sanderson move the puck and kind of control the puck at the blue line when he's in the offensive zone. I don't know how much you agree with that. I know there's some people that do. Some people think I'm trying to pump his tires a little bit too much. But with, where do you think Sanderson is? Like, What kind of comparable do you think is a fair comparable for Jake Sanderson? Uh, I mean, I love Sanderson for one. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you if you're throwing out names, even crazy names like Lidstrom. Uh, when you're talking about Jake Sanderson, he's one of my favorite prospects uh, easily. Um, I don't know if I would use that as a comparable right now. Um, you know, I, I, somewhere between Miro Heiskinen and Ryan McDonough, if you want, uh, you know, modern day NHLers to compare them to. Although, you know, Lindstrom was kind of subtle the same way that Sanderson is. He, you know didn't necessarily jump off the page as someone who's doing too much out there, but had, um, you know, so much effectiveness. So I don't think it's a bad comparison when you say that. I just think we need to kind of see where it goes with Sanderson. Um, although, you know, my bets are on him being, like I said before, the best defenseman on the blue line in Ottawa in the future, including Thomas Shabbat. So that's how high I am on Jake Sanderson. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to stop you, certainly when you're using Lindstrom to compare him. But, uh, you know, maybe, like I said, somewhere between Heiskanen and uh, Ryan McDonough, I could see being a good comparable for uh, Jake Sanderson. I uh, mean, it's going to be interesting to see what, what we get out of Sanderson. And continue, before we head into our last segment of the over-under, do you think Sanderson goes pro next year? You know, there, there's talk. There's already talk that you know, JBD is going pro. It's his last year of university. He is gonna go pro. The question is really, will we see Pinto go pro? And if we see Pinto go pro, do we see Sanderson go pro? 
I think Clevin is guaranteed that he's going to go back to, to North Dakota. He'll probably be part of the World Junior team next year for the USA. But the Sanderson thing is interesting because if he does go back to North Dakota, he's going to be part of Team USA. He's probably going to wear a letter for Team USA. But is he ready? And do you think he would make that jump if we see Pinto and Bernard Docker also make that jump? Um, okay, so here's a hot take for you. But if Sanderson decided tomorrow that he wanted to be an Ottawa senator, I think he would be ready to be an Ottawa senator. So do I think Sanderson could be ready next year to be a senator? Absolutely. I think it'll just be his decision. I, if he wants to take the you know school route and he wants to take an extra year or two to earn a degree, uh, he did talk about it in the summer before he was a senator prospect. I believe he was interviewed on TSN 1200. Um, and he did kind of allude to the fact that he may want to take the longer road and get some schooling under his belt prior to making the jump to the NHL. Um, if that's his, you know, if that's his prerogative, so be it. But um, do I think he could be an Ottawa senator next year? Yeah, I think that kid plays like a pro. Like his decision-making is pro he, he needs to probably add some nhl strength and presto like you have yourself a top four nhl defenseman basically immediately um in my mind yeah i mean i think that's that's totally fair and I, i've seen he's been kind of iffy on the time uh time stamps i think he had like 15 and a half minutes yesterday versus austria uh, and then he had like 17 something versus russia in the first game it's gonna be interesting to see how he's used over the next little while, a lot of returning guys on that defense, a lot of older guys on that decor. But going back to Timmy Stutzel, because this is we're going to be talking about him a lot, a lot over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Is we're going to do his over under since he's on, now he's under contract. We can take a little bit more of a deep dive. Timmy's over under in points. I have it set. Maybe it's a little high at thirty point five. I had Timmy Stutzel winning the Calder this year. You know, I like Zegers, and I think it's going to really come down between Alexei Lafreniere, Zegers at Anaheim, and Timmy Stutzel in Ottawa. I think those are the three guys that should be in the top tier the entire season if they all make their respective teams. After watching what Zegers did at the World Juniors, he signed, he should be at camp. I have no issue thinking Zegers is going to be in contention for the Calder. So 35, 30 and a half points for Timmy Stutzel in his rookie year, 56-game season. Derek, where do you see him going? Over, under on that? Yeah, that that's steep. If he's putting up that many points, he's definitely going to be in that Calder conversation. There's going to be a lot of players. Uh, you alluded to some of them. I think Shersterkin uh, on the Rangers is another one that's probably going to be in that conversation too. So... Um, there's a lot of good players in that Calder uh, conversation. For me, it's uh, a matter of where he gets put in the lineup. I think DJ Smith alluded to the fact that they're really going to try to ease him in. Um, and now we know, you know, with the large number of bodies that Pierre Dorian's acquired, that you might have some kind of rotation system. So is he going to get the full 56 games? Like all these things are kind of, uh, in my head, I, I think near the end of the season, he's going to be playing a much more prominent role. We might even see him with Brady Kachuk and uh, Evgeny Dadnoff by the end of the season if they want to transition him to center that quickly. Um, if not, he could be 
starting on a third line role and kind of eased in playing some power play minutes. Um, and, you know, if that's the case and that takes, you know, half a season, I would put it, I, I, I would say the safe bet would be under 30 and a half. So I'm going to go in at uh, 20 points for Stutzla over 59 games. Wow. I honestly expect you to be a little bit higher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the opposite. I'm taking the over. I don't think they're going to shelter him in any way. I don't think he'll, he'll, be a, he'll allow them to shelter him. You're going to see him on the power play. You're going to see him at five on five. He's going to command the play. He's going to basically show up and be like, I want to be on the ice. And he's going to show that he deserves to be on the ice. You know, I don't think DJ Smith is just going to give him ice time, but I definitely think he will come out and show that he belongs. And uh, maybe, maybe it's just having more faith than I should in the guys that he's playing with. But I definitely think that he can produce. I don't think he's going to go crazy over. I think we're looking at previous rookies. I think maybe even 40 points is a stretch for, for rookies this year. But I have him going at 35 and 35 points. And because I think he's not, he's going to str- like struggle his first couple of games, but he's going to get a groove on probably by game four or five. And from that on, he's just going to run the wave, you know, and, and who knows, maybe he pulls, you know, um, a McDavid and just runs a point a game plus who knows could be like, and this is the thing with top three picks. You really don't know what to expect from them really at the NHL level their first year. Yeah, I like the point that you made about him basically demanding the ice. And I think that's, you know, that's a really good point because that's what he does. Like that's the style that he plays with. So yeah, he might start on the third line, but maybe very quickly, you know, it might maybe it'll take him just training camp alone to move up to the second line. And then by game two or three, he's already moving up to the top line and getting, you know, top line minutes. And if that's the case, then uh, I would feel safe taking the over like you did. Um, if that's not the case and they really, really want to shelter him, um, then perhaps taking the under is a safe bet on this one. Uh, I hope you're right. I, I hope it's the over. I mean, that would be a fantastic rookie season for a, a player that we expect to be probably the face of the franchise. 100%. I mean, I think for for me, it's just a matter of he's going to get top power play minutes. And he's going to be on a power play with Shabbat, Dadunov, and Kachuk. Yeah. Who cares who the fifth guy is? You know, it's probably going to be a guy like Galchenyuk or uh, Batherson or Brown. But you have you have Brady Kachuk in front of the net. He's going to shoot low. He's going to shoot for rebounds. Brady Kachuk's going to dominate. That is basically. I think he's going to be one of the best. Like, he's going to improve Ottawa's power play. Great. Him and hit him and Dadunov are going to improve this power play greatly. And I expect most of Stutzel's points, especially early in the season, to come on the power play. Yeah, maybe getting some secondary assists. I mean, things are going to run through Stutzla. There's no question. It should run through Stutzla because his his play on the left half wall is just incredible. It's perfect on the power play. It actually reminds me a little bit of what Austin Matthews does in Toronto uh, running the half wall on the power play. He's always circling around the zone. He's never stationary. He's always calling for the puck. And he has the ability to freeze defenders when he's on that left half wall. Um, so guys have to freeze, and that really opens up lanes. And like I said, he's added the shot too. He's going to be a lethal weapon on the power play. There's no question there. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of those bumping up, like bump passes where they try to have the the triangle power yeah. play down low like they did with, you know, Pajot and just move Kachuk into that role. But having a guy like uh, Stutzel in that below goal line area, that, that opens up so much for you. And, and Dadnov is the perfect bumper finisher. Like he's... He's a guy that's, if you look back at his highlights, every finish is from that bumper spot. And now you have Brady Kachuk in front of the net. You have Stutzla who could drive the play and take all the attention away. You have Shabbat on the point. I mean, that is a whole different looking power play next season than than anything we've seen in the last few years from Ottawa. 100%. And I expect to see a guy like, you know, if they could even say screw it and run 2D man with Willanen and Shabbat, which would be amazing to see. Yeah. I, I hope Willanen gets that spot because I'm expecting big things from Willanen too. Another yeah, I mean, breakout candidate. 100%. I think a lot of people are expecting big things from Willanen. Uh, you know, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, Brady Coburn had a no-trade no clause. So that says a lot to me. He was willing to move it to come to Ottawa from a contending team. He didn't have to, but he did. I think the narrative of fans, like players not wanting to come to Ottawa – the signing of Matt Murray, the bringing in of Dadinoff and whatnot, like that, that, those are huge things. So personally, I think that narrative needs to be put to rest. But, man, Camp will be starting our next episode. Hmm. Like That's our, exciting. Our... <laughs> That's exciting. Just a few weeks left, and we'll be talking about actual NHL hockey. Man, it is refreshing to be talking, even World Juniors, to be talking about actual hockey games um, and kind of dissecting little plays, um, you know, like that one we talked about earlier, where if Stutzla had finished on the backhand, um, Sen's Twitter would have just absolutely exploded there. A hundred percent. And I, I was, I was hoping for it. I mean, Devin Levi, amazing. Carlton Place, mm. Canadian, only had three losses all of last year in uh, in the CCHL. Fantastic player. Florida is going to have a hell of a problem between Knight and him over the next little while, especially with Bobrovsky and Knight. But, man, it's great to talk hockey. It's great to be back into it. Oh, I just can't wait to get the season starting. Absolutely. I just I can't wait either. It, it, uh, it feels like Christmas hasn't come yet, uh, and it's on the 15th of January. Oh, yeah. Hey, I mean, I'm off for the next month, so I'm definitely going to be watching that game. But- Absolutely. I'll probably be taking the day off. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, man, I'm gonna be. I have a couple of drafts to to do for fantasy. I'm I'm all in on this season. I have NHL Live ready. I'm gonna be binging hockey. If I miss a game, I'm gonna watch it in the morning. I binging hockey. Absolutely, every chance I get. Uh, same thing. I'll be recording the games if I can't see them live, but uh, but I'll be watching every sense game. Absolutely, and and probably you know many more hockey games. And uh, hopefully we get news that Belleville's going to play. And that would be really, really good, especially for, you know, a lot of these prospects that aren't going to make the cut. You know, I'm thinking of Abramov. I'm thinking of, you know, some of these players that we really like as well, Formanton, players that we're really high on. They need to be getting some some level of uh, hockey this season for their development. So uh, really hoping that Belleville has a season and, and they'll be one of the strongest teams again. 100%. I'm super excited. And honestly, though, like, we're just a couple days away, and we're going to talk about it on our next episode on Thursday. But thank you guys for tuning into episode eight. It was a pleasure. A lot of news to break down. 
let us know on Twitter and, and you know, let us know what you think. Let us know what you're excited for. Let us know what you want us to cover this year. We got a, we got like five months of, of hockey, a lot, 56 games in a very short period of time. So let us know what you want to cut, what you want us to talk about. Always listening, always up for suggestion. But as always, you can find it, follow us, sends underscore hour on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and you know, follow myself, Shane underscore Ryan 97 on Twitter, Derek and Zeely 075. Remember, Derek will be having a whole bunch of new content uh, in articles for New Era Sense and Sense Shot this season, so you won't want to miss it. Follow the Hockey Podcast Network. And remember, check out customizedsports.com. Uh, Use promo code SENSHOT to get 10% off your order. And stay safe, guys. Enjoy the new year. We'll be back Thursday with a brand new episode. And we'll have more hockey talk about, maybe some more trades. Who knows? It's going to be interesting, but we're going to be on the eve of training camp. So we've got to be excited. Let's go. Timmy Stutzla, three years. Yeah, man. Three years and a boatload of money going his way. Take care, everyone.